This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of the Clean Skate Podcast, a Dallas Stars podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We only have one game for this episode, and so what we're going to be doing in this episode is I'm going to recap the game like I normally do, and then we are going to shoot over to an interview that I did with John and Kyle from the Oil Country podcast, the Edmonton Oilers podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And we're going to be talking about the Oilers since I haven't talked to them this season on this podcast. I've been on theirs, but we're finally going to get them on here. And so we're going to talk about the game and how the Oilers are doing this season, getting their perspective on it and, you know, sort of sort of feel exactly how their hype train is because Man, that was an interesting game. It was on Tuesday. We have Koskinen versus Hudobin, uh, a late emergency call-up from the AHL. Jake Ottinger was called up to back up Hudobin because Bishop is currently day-to-day with a lower body injury. Um, they haven't released whether or not Bishop will be back for the next game, but they said they're going to take it game by game. So he might be back. He might not. So let's pray for a speedy recovery and that Bishop doesn't miss too much significant time. This game also comes off of the heels of an 8-3 win for the Oilers the night before. They are playing a back-to-back, but this is, you know, Dreisaitl just scored four goals in the game before. Dreisaitl and McDavid both had five points, so they were coming in hot. I mean, two of the best players in the world. Anytime you have to play them, it's going to be a difficult task. But the Stars get on them early. Sagan has some really good chances that he fans on early. Gurianov hits a post, and then Gert, and then Miko Koskinen was just saving everything in this game, and that's going to be really the a big theme through this game is Miko Koskinen holding the Oilers in it because the Stars were really dominant in the first ten minutes of this game. Radulov was even stoned on a turnover right in front of the net. Jujar Kara just sort of pops it to the front of the net, and he gets a real good backhand chance on, saved by Koskinen. The Oilers are getting some good chances, but the Stars are really controlling play. They have the puck a lot of the time. They're in possession of the puck. It's just a lot of, you know, turnover transition back into the zone, clear the zone, turnover transition into the zone, save out of the zone, turnover transition back into the zone. But the Oilers were getting a few chances, and Hudobin was stopping those at all. We come to the first intermission at a score tied 0-0, but the shots are 16-6 to for the Stars at the end of the first period. Like I said, the Stars were throwing everything at the net. And we go into the second period. The Stars have a couple of power play opportunities. Sagan hits the post. And Koskinen is the Oilers' best penalty killer. He stops everything. And then we turn over to an Oilers power play. They have the best power play in the league. 
And Ryan Nugent Hopkins scores his 20th on the season, just 7-24 through the second period. It's a great reverse play to by Nugent Hopkins to Darnell Nurse at the point. He then circles and passes it back to Nuge, who has loaded up on that left side. He walks in and snipes a shot real hard, just a laser beam wrister through Hudobin, through some traffic, and into the net to give the Oilers a 1-0 lead. The Stars continue to throw everything at the net, but just can't seem to crack Koskinen, and we head to the third period down by one. The shots are 31 to 16 for the Stars. They just cannot seem to get by Koskinen. Then again, into the third period, the Stars have really good pressure. They're pressing and draws a power play. And then on that power play, John Klingberg scores his sixth of the season, just 642 into the third period. It's Radulov on the right side over to Ben, who is at the point. Klingberg had gone all the way down to the left half boards and opened up for the one-timer. Ben just lays a perfect pass into him. He smashes a really fluid one-timer top shelf short side past Koskinen to tie the game at one. The Stars did press to try and win it in regulation, but credit to the Oilers. They played a really strong game, and Koskinen was great, and they did have a bit more pressure in that third period, but again, Hudobin was able to stop them, and we head to overtime. The shots at the end of regulation are 43-24 to 24 for the Stars. Then right into overtime, the Oilers sort of get control. They enter the zone. And again, a great play by Nugent Hopkins to enter the zone, chip around. He goes for a toe drag around Lindell that would have been a two-on-one down low with McDavid. And Lindell trips him a pretty necessary call. The refs weren't very good in this one. They they gave some, they called some weak stuff on the Oilers, which, you know, we'll take the power plays, but we weren't really able to convert on them. But they also were calling some weak stuff. But this was an obviously a penalty on Lindell tripping Nugent Hopkins. And the Oilers head to the power play less than a minute into overtime. And then just like that, on that power play in overtime, the Oilers pull up out four forwards in this one and Alex Chason scores his ninth of the season just a minute and eight seconds into overtime it's McDavid over to Nuge at the point like I said there's no defenseman on this power play it's a missed pass by McDavid cross ice from Dreisaitl Stephen Johns has an opportunity to clear and he fans to it which allows Chason to just walk from the goal line with the puck in on Hudobin basically all alone because there, our defender is covering the pass over to Dreisaitl, and Chason walks in and scores a low glove to win the game 2-1 in overtime for the Edmonton Oilers. If this is a game that the Stars were in it the whole time. They had a lot of control, and uh, recently, I, I hate to do it, but that's definitely a pity point and a more, another moral victory, but I feel like that was a game that we definitely should have had, but sometimes goaltenders have that ability to just shut down a game on you. And the Stars go one for six on the power play. That's not good enough either. We definitely saw that the Oilers were allowing us to have a lot of shots, and then the shots that we were getting in tight on, we just didn't seem to have our hands about us. We were fumbling a lot of passes in tight, weren't getting shots on net. A lot of chances and opportunities were missed even, even though we had 43 shots in net on this one. We go three for five on the power play, and the Oilers win it here basically entirely on special teams. They were able to kill five of our six power plays, and 
they go two for five on their attempt. So they win it basically entirely on special teams. And that's something that the Stars definitely need to get more dangerous at. So unfortunately, I got to cue the music. After the Stars drop to 37, 21, and 8. <laughs> And with that, I want to now transition over to my chat with John and Kyle from the Oil Country podcast, like I said we were going to. So we will get a little bit more in-depth on this game. We'll get their opinion on this game from the winning side. Obviously, history is written by the winners, so I would like to hear their take on this game. I'm sure they're relatively pleased with it as well as what they are thinking about this sort of all of a sudden quite good Oilers team and some of the things they did as well. So without further ado, here is John and Kyle. Hey guys, I just want to pop in and talk about my friends at Southern Scholar. Southern Scholar is a hockey player owned menswear company based in Dallas. In fact, their founder still plays hockey several times a week in the local beer leagues in Dallas. They're a menswear company whose primary focus is providing you with a better dress sock option through their monthly subscription or their shop. Simply put, Southern Scholar makes the best dress socks in the world, seriously. Crafted with their one-of-a-kind signature material blend and designed with classic color palettes and timeless patterns, their socks are built specifically to stay in place throughout your workday and add a subtle, sophisticated twist to your everyday attire. Included with each pair is their signature style card containing tips, tricks, and styling recommendations to help you best pair your socks to get the most out of your look every time. Southern Scholar brings you a unique yet professional dress sock, which can be worn in the most prestigious of environments. Their socks have the perfect combination of stretch, softness, and breathability, providing a true mid-calf fit that stays in place throughout your entire workday. You can join their monthly sock club and enjoy all your member benefits like lower prices, exclusive sales, and access to their member shop, or you'd shop their collection without a subscription. Either way, you'll be saving money using code THPN. That's THPN like the Hockey Podcast Network. And guys, I just want to say I have a couple pairs of these. And man, they look so good. And then you just put them on. They're engineered to form fit your foot and leg and to stay up on your calf all day. So if you're wearing dress pants, you don't have to worry about reaching down to pull up your socks because they've started to scooch down and they feel uncomfortable. These things fit well. They look amazing. And I hope you guys enjoy them as much as I have. <laughs> My voice isn't like all fucking lost and scratchy, so we might actually sound somewhat similar to that. Hey, it's John. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Screw you. Um, yeah. Hello, Dallas fans. Hello, Dallas fans. This is fans. the Grim, Grim Reaper John, <laughs> the fan of the team that just kicked your ass last night. Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> I know. We got dominated, too. <laughs> Coming in hot. I know. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't even want to chirp. I just, it just popped into my head. No, it was, it was, uh, you guys dominated us. Sorry, Kyle. Go yeah. Ahead. Hi, it's Kyle. I'm a fan of the very respectful game that we had. <laughs> Dallas, Dallas fans don't hate me yet. No, I mean, I, uh, I went in there thinking it was going to be a competitive, um, defensive game, right? Like Dallas has one of the best defenses in the league right now. Edmonton, obviously with one of the most high flying offenses, it was, it was kind of that classic battle and who was going to win. Right. I, I, I thought it was an entertaining game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely, it definitely had that, that, uh, 
unstoppable force meets immovable object feel to it for sure. And like it really came down to at the end of the day, stats wise anyway, it came down to the power play and penalty kill. For yeah, both teams, yeah, right? I just talked like, about that. And yeah. obviously such mm-hmm. a def- such a defensive like playoff style game that was this is one of the first games you know i don't know how many games dallas has left but i know oilers have 15 i mean obviously give or take one for dallas as well but this was one of the first games of the year other than maybe another one where i was like yeah it's starting to get that like playoff chippiness refs are putting the whistles away for the most part which seemed to kind of stir up both sides of the fan bases and it was really that that like style of hockey we've been kind of missing yeah, the stars have really been recently playing that that a lot more playoff style games. We just played a couple. We just played Boston, um, uh, like last I think guess last week, and and the last couple of games have definitely had. So I think both teams are really starting to get into playoff form. I think you're seeing teams that are in the middle of a playoff hunt, which the Oilers are for the first time in a while. Um, that like they're starting to get ready for that that in April, which is exciting to see. I don't know if our team was, but our goalie seemed to be getting ready for playoff yeah. hockey, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which is funny because I mean, who would would you guys say that? Because I I talked to uh, the Nation Dan way earlier in the season from Oilers Nation, and he had said at the time I asked him that Koskinen was still his starter. I, I'm interested if you guys now think that this we're obviously 40 games spent since I last. Right. I, I bet you, so you, you, sorry, you said nation Dan said that Koskinen was the starter in his opinion at that point. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we probably talked maybe 20 games in the season. At that Koskinen point, he would have been working like that though. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I bet you nation Dan's changed his opinion too, but yeah, I mean the, the 15 games left are going to tell it for me, but I think right now it's hard to take it away from Smith. I mean, he's been so stellar since the new year. And he's kind of following the same trajectory he did last year with Calgary, where you look at the season numbers and they weren't, you know, superb. But if you look at the back half and specifically that new year to the end of the playoffs, he was one of the best goalies in the league. And he he's that's what he's doing. So, I mean, I wouldn't say Koskinen's played terribly. Um, I feel like Kyle will probably agree with me on that one, though. It's not not a no, not I mean, I, hot take I think, there. still think they're a very good duo, right? Um, Koskinen For has sure. just had a little bit weaker goals go on him, sorry, in on him uh, since the new year, right? Like uh, Smith has just stolen it. That's it. But Koskinen still played amazing. Like obviously shown by last night, right? But uh, I think just in Vegas, he really only had what, like one or two kind of softies on him. But other than that, he played great. Like I don't I don't think uh, Koskinen has been a concern. And we've already said going into this season too, right? Like goaltending was going to be the biggest issue going in. And I know we've mentioned it before, but it's our biggest strength right now. I'm not worried about either goalie really being in the net. I was a little interested to see with how, how Koskinen w- was going to be. I mean, um, I, he, like you mentioned, he, he played in that, that game in Vegas. You guys got shut out there. So obviously there's nothing really Koskinen could do there. Um, but I was interested to see what version of Koskinen the stars were going to get shooting at. And, uh, luckily for you guys, you got the, the dominant one. That was incredible. Yeah, it was, I mean, he was stupid good that night and it is, it's tough with that inconsistency, but I think he's a guy too, that 
it's kind of hard to find a rhythm for him, especially in this tandem. Like, I don't think he's a, a bonafide number one goalie that can play 60, 70 games for you. And I mean, that type of goalie is dwindling in the NHL right now. But once he gets in a rhythm similar to Smith, like he can be a very good goaltender. And and like you said, we we had that goalie that night, luckily for the Oilers. But you know he is capable. I guess is my point. Like he's definitely not a not a slouch when he's on his game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed, obviously, big time in this one is, I mean, and obviously we've been seeing that now with you guys, but McDavid and Drysdale aren't playing together anymore, and that's that's a scary thing to defend. It is, and it's to the delight of Oilers fans. Kyle, do you want to take that one? I mean, man, like we've been talking about that so yeah, much. Yeah, that's what we've been waiting for forever, right? Like. Uh, I know me and John especially, and and not that it was not obvious, right? We wanted them split up for the longest time. They needed to run their own lines, and Drysaddle's proving, obviously, that he can do that. Um, yeah, it's it's a dynamic center punch that we have been waiting for for years to see, and the team is finally starting to come together. And I, I think over the next year or two, this team is going to become like a legitimate Stanley Cup contender every year. That was, that was a hot take, Kyle. I like it. <laughs> I think dry has been yeah no I mean, not not too hot it was like a like a warm take um I think the thing with dry is like he's really playing with a chip on his shoulder right now and and he really has been at the since the start of last season too but I think he's really going out and saying that it's like yeah Connor's like arguably the best player in the world but it's not like a number one and a number two situation in Edmonton. And he's obviously playing with higher end talent than Connor is right now. And you've seen Connor's numbers, although are still great. His production five on five isn't what it was obviously with dry but it is one of those things like Kyle said that it's something that Edmonton's been searching for, for a long time. And dry dry really, you know, putting himself out there as that bonafide superstar. And I mean, Frick, the guy's probably going to walk away with some major hardware personally at the end of the year at the award show there. And, you know, I think you could make a legitimate argument that he might be the second best player in the world right now behind McDavid. And I know, you know, especially from Dallas Stars fans perspective listening, that this is coming from a biased perspective as an Oilers fan and podcaster. But I, I think it's hard to make an argument against that, really. Um, and, and the biggest thing right now for Edmonton is trying to take the the rest of the pieces in the winger department and find players for Connor. And, you know, he's been playing with Ennis and Archibald and Cassian before he was suspended in a little bit of Athanasiu, who we acquired at the deadline. But I think that's the biggest thing is now they have options and it's trying to kind of just find two wingers with Connor that'll gel. Because if they if both those lines get going, like, I mean, I know you can't just win off just scoring, but this team's going to be very dangerous. And, and I mean, so I, I don't want to... I, we'll talk about McDavid, but I don't want to really leave dry saddle for a second. Cause I mean, the, the guy's got 108 points in 68 games, just to put that in, in perspective for a star's perspective, our leading scorer, Tyler Sagan has 50 points in like 63 games. So like a hundred, like, like I, I, I've never even seen McDavid score this fast. Like this is like, even I don't remember Kucherov last season being this good. Like it is, from just a pure points perspective, like mind blowing. It is. And I mean, a lot, a lot of points, like they have one of the best power plays of all time, but I mean, you need that to be a high point producer and you need that to win too. Right. So that's not 
discounting that whatsoever. But yeah, when you look at like, he's likely going to hit 50 goals again this year and have another 50 goal, 50 assist and a hundred plus points back to back seasons here. And like we mentioned earlier on our, on our episode to go back to find a player like that, like you have to go back to Lemieux. It's like, it's really unprecedented in this era of players. And I think that's the unique thing about dry is like, you know, you look at Connor and he has game changing generational, potentially the f- best skating of all time. Anyone that's ever laced He's up super skates. erect when he does it too. <laughs> yeah, he is very erect. Aren't we and dry doesn't really have like that thing that pushes him over the edge. He's a very good passer. He's a very good shooter. He can skate very well for a big guy. He's obviously got the strength. He's added the two-way game. I mean, the guy's playing on our penalty kill this year and has been a big reason why our penalty kill is an elite one at that as well. So, you know, like there's players that shoot the puck better than dry or pass the puck, but I I have a tough time finding a player. I'm not talking about just recently, like in my 20 some years of watching hockey that's been able to do all those things the way dry does. Like he is, he is the epitome of a complete player in today's NHL. Yeah, no, that, listen, I, we saw the stars saw a lot of him. And uh, I mean, obviously your guys penalty kill is quite good, but you're right. He is on that, the penalty kill. We saw him a lot. You guys killed off that. One of the main reasons this game went the way it did was uh special teams there. You guys managed to kill off. We had six attempts. We scored on one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and dry was out there quite a bit. And I, I remember watching and seeing him out there and, you know, you don't see a lot of teams throwing superstars out there on penalty kill. So I think that that's a big, do you think, I mean, this might be hot takes, but I mean, Selkie possibly for dry <laughs> We were literally just talking about that in our intro into here. Yeah. I, I think he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to be a crime if he's not in the top three. I don't, I, as much as I'd like to see him win it. There's some really good two-way forwards and two-way centers in the league. So I'm not going to be like furious if he doesn't win it, but he definitely deserves the recognition. And again, from a bias perspective, I think he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, the Stars only held him to one point last night. So that's a win in my books. That's a win for sure. So one of the things I wanted to mention as far as dry settling, as we kind of, we've obviously got to ask you about Dallas as well and kind of the game in general, but you're... Is it your third pairing defenseman, Johns? Is that what it is? Yeah. What? He did a great... That was probably some of the best defending I've ever seen on Dreisaitl. Stepping up at the blue line aggressively. Because the one thing Dreisaitl... Like, he can be shifty as far as puck movement and stick He's got work. very good hands, yeah. He does, but he's not like a real... He's, I mean, he's a big dude. He's not an agile like Kucherov that's going to dangle and dance around you as far as skating goes. So he's a linear player. He's a north and south guy is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for, to see a defenseman like that be like, identify that and be able to just step up and be like, I'm just going to play you physically with clean checks. It was frustrating as an Oilers fan, but I couldn't help but be impressed. Like that was, that was great plays. I'm, I'm curious if he has kind of exposed one way to defend dry cycle. I'm curious to see if other teams are going to see that and try and play him that way too. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it, first of all, Johns has played incredible. He was basically injured all of last season and he, he came back in the middle of December and basically didn't miss a step 
uh, when he came back. So it, he's been really good. And it really frustrates me because he's a third pairing defenseman right now. I think he easily, it, with a little bit more playing and like a little bit more experience under his belt, he could easily probably work his way up into maybe into the second pairing. Um, but they, they, they rotate him out with Polak. So I get very frustrated when he's out and Polak is in. Um, That's a name I have not heard in a long yeah, time. So that, that's I, didn't even, I didn't even remember he was playing in the NHL still. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's one of their third-pairing rotations. Really? Oh, sometimes wow. it's Steven Johns is in, and sometimes in Roman, it's Roman Polak. And you see Johns play the way he did against Dreisaitl last night, and it, it, it's quite frustrating to then immediately see Polak for two games. Um, but that being said, he, he, did, he played fantastic defense, but I think it's, it's one of those things that's like, he can, you know, stand him up all he want. I think that that can work, but eventually the talent's gonna gonna get around well, him. And that's what I was thinking. Sorry to jump in there is like if Dry sees that coming, I think it's a quick like he's such a good passer even on the backhand that that's a quick saucer if he can predict that and get a two on one with Yamamoto and Dry will come or uh, Yamamoto and Nuge coming into the zone. And then it was unfortunate to watch then John's, I mean, there's nothing he can Give do on that, that, that last play there. Cause he played such a good game and he, I mean, it, it, it speaks a lot to him that we threw him out there on a, a penalty kill in overtime. And I mean, it's just an unfortunate bounce, you know, he just kind of fans and Alex on it. Chase on of all people being the one to pot that. I don't, I'm sure a lot of Dallas and not passing it, right? Familiar. Like dry side was going yeah. down the wing with him. Yeah. Like go, go hard to the net and get a good shot away. And like, he's, I, I like any Reddit thread, Twitter, anything with Oilers fans. I'm sure Facebook that cesspool was doing the same thing. Every single Oilers fan last night was screaming, "Why is Chase on out in overtime, <laughs> even on the power play?" And then he's the guy that pockets it. So, so he walked. He walked in on Hudobin, and I was like, "Oh, he's gonna he's gonna shoot." Okay, okay. I actually would prefer that. I, I'll take a one on one Hudobin versus Chase on. I, to be honest, I probably would bet Hudobin most times. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'd I'd be betting on Hudobin too. And then he and I mean Drysaddle sitting right there, and the dude scored four goals the game before i was so yeah. <laughs> that's crazy and you know dry's like on the quest for 52 so he's probably like i'm surprised he wasn't like st- like stick tapping him out there. <laughs> <laughs> i um i'm curious uh there michael we like i i tried to kind of take a step back so you could see very visibly watching the game on tv dallas fans are not impressed with most of the refing and I'm by no means am I saying that the Oilers didn't commit penalties that weren't called, but it seemed like it was fairly even frustrating wise. Like what was your kind of take on the refing? Did you think it was absolutely trash and, and screwed Dallas over? Or do you think it was kind of just whistles are away playoff style? I definitely don't think it was whistles away playoff style. Cause there was a lot of, it, it was weird. They were, and they even said on the broadcast at one point, like they're, not calling obvious penalties and then calling the iffy ones. So, I mean, they were consistently making bad calls. So, I mean, that's <laughs> consistency, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, I, so, I, it, it was it was frustrating. But then there were also some times where, like, like Jamie Ben would would get a little iffy, and I'd be like, uh, "Okay, I'll take it." And there was like the big one that stands out to as you bring up Jamie Ben was that high stick coming across the middle like definitely accidental but as everyone knows a high stick's a high stick and I don't know how that 
that call isn't made was, at Ben all. especially has gotten a lot with the way this gotten a lot with gotten away with a lot. Wow, um, this year. So it, it, I try not to comment on refing just because it works yeah. in our favor. If I just and we've got Corey Perry on our team, which is still weird. So I know I thought you guys were the ducks out there practically, man. It was frustrating. So there, there's sometimes where they'll zoom in on him and he's happy, and and my PTSD will kick in, and I'll be like, oh. Oh wait, 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 wait! <laughs> You're like, wait, that's a good he's thing. On this our, is a he's good on thing. our side. So, so I just try yeah. not to. Honestly, like, there, there were definitely some missed calls both ways in that game, but if I don't commenting on the refing and it works in our favor, I'm, you know, I'll take it. I thought the most atrocious one, again, fully admitting I'm biased, was that Larson penalty with like two minutes and fifty seconds left, and not so much. Like it was a, I thought it was a bad call. There was probably worse calls in the game, but just the timing wise where like, I don't think there had been a penalty in like 10 minutes and then you call a high stick on a clean hit with like under three minutes to go in the game. It it was mind blowing for me and, and like every Oilers fan on social media. If if the calls you're expecting them to make are going to be soft calls, then I mean, then they're doing their job being consistent calling things. So yeah, no, I'm with you. It's a fair point. Like, <laughs> I'd rather than be like consistently good, but hey, if you're going to be bad, at least be consistently yeah, bad. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I did have a, a couple or like one other, man, two other Dallas questions for you. How do you see, like I see you guys are third in the central right now. How do you see that kind of shaking out with St. Louis and Colorado? I think they're clear like seven points is the gap there. But do you think Dallas has what it takes and they're going to hold on to that third spot or? Uh, I, I don't think anyone, any of the wild cards are anywhere close to, unless there's like a monumental collapse. I don't think any of the wild cards are anywhere close to getting, pushing us out of the third spot. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to think that things go monumentally well and, and uh, maybe we can turn it on here. And with the, um, the goaltending situation in Colorado is sort of in the air right now. I think it's possible that the Stars maybe just flip-flop for that second spot. But uh, shout-out to Tom Franklin from the Tom Franklin from the Blue Notes podcast. I don't think anyone's catching uh, the St. Louis Blues for that top spot. It's interesting that you bring up the Colorado goaltending. I was the Leonard to Vegas trade. We were, Kyle and I were both on vacation right at the start of the trade deadline. So we didn't really, that was one unfortunate thing at the timing is we didn't really get a chance to talk about that a lot. But not that I think it was a bad trade for Vegas, but that's a trade when you look at Colorado, the assets they have and the cap space they have. Really curious why they didn't bring a goalie in like Vegas did. And honestly, like outbid Vegas for it was It was actually interesting because the, the episode I did before the trade deadline, I had a... Uh, 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 the Bayou Bender uh, on, um, and we were we were him and his cousin were on, and we were all spitballing trade deadline ideas. And the one like big hot take that no one was talking about that we came up with was Leonard to Colorado. Similar wavelengths. Um, we, we thought that like not a not, not enough people were were talking about, it. and I was like, you know, that could be a real thing that could happen. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then they they got Michael Hutchinson, and I was like, I don't think that's an upgrade. No. Um, so, so like I said, I think that, that if right, like it only takes a couple of bad goals to go past, you know, Francis or Hutchinson and Colorado's, you know, nervous. And I think that at, at this point, I think that one, two and three in the central are going to stay the same, but I think that two and three will be 
fought out till the end between Colorado and Dallas for, you know, home ice and uh, matchups in the playoffs. That'll be it. That'll be actually a really interesting series. I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to that one, assuming, like you said, it does stay the same. And actually, sorry, I looked at the standings and yeah, you guys are eight ga- or eight points up on the Jets for fourth with two games in hand. So yeah, I, I'm with you there. I don't, I don't see a wildcard team catching you on the heels there. Question about one of your players that I'm really interested in. Uh, he was your rookie last year, Miro Heiskanen, who was up for Calder nominations as well, right? How's he been looking this year? Like, does he look like he's developing into that stud defenseman for your team? Or he's he is our, the most consistent player on the team. Uh, he hasn't missed any time due to injury this season. He so he goes out there and he gives us you know twenty two to twenty six just incredible minutes every night. Like there is very rare that he is a bad night. Um, and, and sometimes you forget that he is, this is only his sophomore season because he goes out there and just plays with the poise and calmness of someone who's been in the league for, you know, six, seven, eight years. It's surprising that you don't hear about him more because I, I really have not heard anything mentioned about him this year. Um, like, I can't even I think. I feel like as far as young defensemen, Makar and Hughes the, are really yeah, I guess they're like kind taking of it taking over, up right? so much media. Yeah. yeah. Like, not to say that Heiskanen isn't having a good year in himself, but just the media craze are so distracted by those two. I mean, he's got, I mean, Heiskanen's got eight goals, 25 assists, 33 points as a sophomore defenseman. He's a plus yeah, 16. And- he's, you know, like, he's averaging like 23 minutes a night and i think that's why people don't talk about him he you know he's maybe not going to put up you know 16 goals as a defenseman but he could but he's just he's, he's steady so he's solid yeah, yeah. Exactly. and he's young too like he he's going to develop man like we're spoiled honestly just league-wide with the amount of young defensemen and young forward talent right coming into yeah. this even young goaltenders man like this uh this game is just getting incredibly fast and talented at such a young age now yeah, yeah. It, it is nuts. And it's like you said, it's getting younger and younger. And it, it's interesting to see these guys like, you know, go away from the old way of thinking of like, oh, yeah, a defenseman needs like four years before they even get a look. And you see guys actually coming in at a young age, 18, 19, 20, and being like a top four guy right away. But I think the biggest thing that you said there, Michael, to me, as a guy that admittedly doesn't watch Dallas very often, all I've probably seen like three or four games including the ones against Edmonton this year, but the consistency with Heiskanen and from it for a young defenseman put in that role that he's in. I think that's like, I'll take a consistent guy that you can tell is doing the right things over a guy that's inconsistent and maybe puts up another 10 points over player a in that situation. Like I'll take the consistent young defenseman 10 out of 10 times. He's just so, Cause he's, that's such a hard yeah. thing to mm-hmm. like, you just see so many, especially defensemen that like they have the ability and you're just waiting for them to take that step into that like rock solid top pairing guy and they never get there because they're just all over the place they play really good for five games and then they're they disappear for 15 yeah he's just he's such a smart player and i think you can i think that's like the biggest thing is like listen he's a phenomenal skater he can he can skate pucks out of dangerous zones but it's like the the good first pass out of the zone you know the the good first reversal to his defensive partner just the positioning to nowhere guy he's not the biggest guy so i think like sometimes there's definitely a few times where like i've seen him get bullied around a little bit but like for the most part, like his stick is always where it needs to be. If there's an opportunity to join the rush, he's in it because he can skate and be there. It's like he's just he's very smart. And even with like the physicality side, like give him a couple more summers of 
healthy training too. And like, he's still such a young guy. He'll add weight to that frame yeah, or no, whatever too, right? He's, so he's going it's, to win that's a Norris. Exciting he's for you going guys. to win a Norris, like hands down. That's exciting. It's a, I, I love watching, like, I mean, obviously you love watching the, the goal scoring youngsters too, but I always find it more impressive kind of when you see those like rock solid defensemen. A question that I ask everyone on the podcast and I haven't actually had you guys on my podcast yet. Oh yeah. I forgot. You just jumped on ours that one time. Exactly. So I, I'm going to need, uh, is there a player between the two of you guys? Um, it, it can be, it's preferably from the Oilers, but I've had people give me answers from outside of their own team. Um, an underrated player that maybe doesn't get enough media attention or talk about, or maybe you guys just have like a unrealistic love for like a fourth line or something like that. Someone to watch out Kyle, for. Kyle, you us. go first. Cause I want to pick the one you don't pick. <laughs> uh, well, I'll you know for you I'm to just pick. go like completely off the board. I'm going to say <laughs> it's bottom six, but it's probably top four or sorry, um, fourth line on like our ideal roster, right? Oh, you're going somewhere But else. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Shahan. Really? Underrated? Okay, right. Underrated? Oh, sorry. Like, um, a, like not getting enough attention. I'm like, like I mean, Shahan's having a yeah, good sorry, year. Sorry, sorry, my bad. I, I, I overglossed the underrated part. Um, no, no, you can stay with Riley Shahan. Like, that's... should I say Jujar Kara? Hey, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. Uh, Gaten Haas. Okay, that is that. That is a name. He's going so off the board. What's the matter with you, dude? I think I think Hoss is underrated. I think that he, well, like I mean, sure, but like, is is he a guy that you think does like? I know Michael didn't specifically ask that, but when I look at like underrated guys, I think of guys that are like not talked about outside of that city that like deserve to be talked about. Like, do you think people in Pittsburgh should be like taking note of Gaetan Haas? Like, no disrespect to the guy, I like him. <laughs> sorry to like, I mean you're going off our own like roster like our answer. roster's full of like just bottom six players dude like I don't know yeah, who you I, expect me to I'm play gonna like, go, like much more mainstream I thought you were gonna say that, that, that's a game that's that's like that's a name that I'm sure no one's heard of so stick to it I like it you're, sorry, you're saying I, bear is fucking unrated like are you kidding me right now like maybe sure. not talked like, about out. because of the same reason as Makar and and, no, uh, for sure, and there, I don't but... think he is. But Michael, you're like you're asking for like fans that aren't Oilers fans, right? Yeah, yeah. Just like as like like a Dallas Stars fan doesn't watch it, watch a lot of Oilers games, so like oh, okay, who's someone sorry, that yeah. they should think about? Like I honestly, I think Bear has surprised us surprised us so much this year, and filled like a top four right hand D role. He can move the puck for a small guy. He's definitely like applied himself to the gym in the summer and put on weight and he's solid in his own zone. The only real issue that's like stopping him from, in my opinion, being a top pairing guy one day is his foot speed is still a little slow, but and the biggest thing for him, um, for any Dallas fans that check out an Oilers game, just watch how composed that guy is like under pressure. The, the quick turns he makes on the, when, when he's getting four checked heavily through the neutral zone, crisp passes, um, He's not a guy that I think is going to be a superstar, like I said, but just a solid, solid guy that I think like around the NHL and outside of Edmonton, no one's really talking about him at all. All right. Sorry for shitting on your answer, Kyle. <laughs> I don't think it was a bad one. I I, I was just more surprised that you went Sorry, I, I thought I, you were going to go somewhere else. That's all I was yeah, saying. No, my bad. No, listen, <laughs> no not there, your bad. You're good. There's been, there's been, there's been some... Listen, I, I wasn't going to play D, say defense, dude. I'm sorry. I thought we were talking to play fourth line or third line or sorry. Kyle's but. already playing NHL 20. In I am, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I at, Listen, I asked the same question to the uh, one of the... the guy, uh, Richie from the Coyotes podcast uh, last week, and he said Toby Reader, so you're okay. 
Oh fuck off! <laughs> I thought you guys would like. Sorry, that. I hope you don't. I don't hope you don't, don't mind swearing. Uh, on I'm gonna like. I'm gonna message Richie right now and be like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> I thought you guys were gonna kick out of that. You realize he scored no goals last year, right? Like zero. <laughs> That's like his underrated bay from the league. That's what he said. I mean, like maybe like three years ago, I could understand that answer, but he's holding on to that. Like they've got some good players in Arizona, man. I'm I'm talking to Richie about this one. <laughs> But uh, thank you very much, Michael. We, uh, we, yeah, we thanks for talking to us, Michael. Yeah. yeah, no, th- thank you guys. Thanks for coming on and uh, giving us some perspective. And who knows, maybe we, uh, maybe in a perfect universe, we'll meet in the uh, third round there. I, I think I, we would have flashbacks to the 90s, to be honest. But I'd, I'd take that. Hey, I'll take a third round series against Dallas. No problem. I feel like I sound really negative right now where I'm scared we'll lose. But hell, I'll take Dallas in the third round. No questions asked. (laughs) And there it is, the interview with the boys from the Oil Country podcast. I had a blast talking to them. We have just one piece of NHL news. There was some stuff coming out of some GM meetings this past week. They are projecting that the NHL salary cap for next season is going to go up to 84 to between $88.2 million, which is a huge deal, which means some guys this offseason are going to get paid. Uh, that is going to be an, an interesting little thing thrown in there. It'll give some GMs a little bit more cash, wiggle room to pay some of the players this season that they want to go out and get. We've got a couple of upcoming games here. This weekend, we've got a Thursday game. The Stars are playing Nashville in Nashville for this one. And then they play a home and home and they go and play Nashville on Saturday, this time in Dallas. So that should be an interesting one. And the Predators have struggled their last couple games. They got blown out by Edmonton, as we mentioned in that interview. So it will be interesting to see us play the divisional rival. We've got some really exciting news for this podcast, and this is the stuff you guys are all going to want to listen to. We are excited to an- announce the Ugly Sock Contest brought to you by you know our friends at Southern Scholar. Uh, so this is a really cool opportunity. Basically, what we're going to be doing is I'm going to tweet out you know some information on my Twitter account. That is at CleanskatePod on Twitter for those of you listening who haven't already followed me. And what you're going to do is you're going to comment with a picture of your worst pair of socks. And it basically what you're going to do is it's going to enter you to win a premium subscription box, the March subscription box from Southern Scholar. I just got the February subscription box from them. And man, their socks are amazing. They're so comfortable. They're really, really good looking. Their colors are nice. And then they even throw in little tips on, you know, what you should pair the socks with dress wise so you don't look so goofy, which is really, really helpful for me. So I'm going to tweet out the details and the contest from the Twitter account. You guys then to enter have to just comment on the tweet a picture of your worst pair of socks. And then in April, we're going to announce the winners. April 2nd, we will announce the winners and we will send you guys a better pair of socks. So that is really exciting really cool and i hope you guys send in i want to see some gnarly socks i want to see some holes maybe some bad socks with like some socks like your playoff socks that you've never worn or something like that i want to see some nasty stuff and that is going to do it for this episode of a clean skate podcast i hope you guys have enjoyed as i said before you should follow me on twitter at clean skate pod so you can enter into that contest and 
you know, vote in the player poll and all that good stuff. You guys should also follow the Hockey Podcast Network because they also have a lot of other really cool giveaways of some of the other podcasts do. That is at HockeyPodNet on Twitter as well. And as always, I will talk to you cowpokes in the next one.